G'day, welcome back to Bounce the Ball. It's been a minute, but I'm back. So, today on NBA Talk, Kyrie beats his system and the Nets are whole again. Kind of. Hashtag Clay Day unites the NBA world momentarily and the Warriors morph into their final form. Well, as soon as Steph gets his shit together anyway. And the health and safety protocol bulls have somehow found themselves atop of the Eastern Conference in large part due to the worst NBA off-season signing, according to Bleacher Report that is, the King of the Fourth, DeMar DeRozan. We're finishing off, we're going to have a look at MVP comparisons and contrasting two candidates. We're going to have a look at LeBron James and John Moran. So, without further ado, let's get amongst it. G'day, so welcome back to the Bounce of the Ball. Like I said, it's been a minute since my last episode, and I just want to offer my apologies. Um, as you know, podcasting is, and you know, producing content on YouTube and things like that, it's mostly a labour of love, especially for a small independent, like, starting out podcasters. So, yeah, as I said, life's put me through a bit lately, and I neither had nor the time nor the energy to really produce anything of quality, or like, um, yeah, just, things went good, man, but it's alright, it's alright, so, yeah, but I've solved most of my problems, and I've found a lot of balance that I need to get back, um, yeah, and I'm back to being level again, feeling inspired to produce some content, so, like I said, all that being said, I'm glad to be back producing content, and we have a lot to talk about. So before we get into the NBA content, I just want to actually give a bit of a shout out to some of my favorite Twitter accounts that I've followed during the time I've been away. So firstly, I want to thank Arturis Kunishovas Fan Club. Big thank you to Ross uh, for your insight, your humor, and all things related to Bulls. You do a great job, mate. Romina, (laughs) for making me spit out my coffee on occasions and (laughs) taking delusional Knicks and Lakers fans to task on Twitter for us every day. Uh, Matt Peck and Big Dave over at Locked On Bulls. You guys do an amazing job. And also Hayes at um, Chicago Bulls Central. Keep up the good work, guys. You are my go-to for daily content on the Bulls. Uh, also, I'd like to have a big shout-out to MK Hoops and his ongoing feud with C-Red Fred. As petty as it can be, I've found it quite amusing at times. And lastly, and definitely not least, I'd like to have a big shout-out to at Brooklyn Nets, Oss, so, also known as Dollar Bucks Buckets GM, also known as Big T himself, um, yeah, for sharing his fandom journey, uh, his incredible artwork, and just his straight up good vibes. And also a big shout out to his sports best friends, uh, NBA Fandom Podcast, and his podcasting partner Cardi B. You can find him also on Twitter at, at CardsBench. So yeah, keep up the good work, boys. These have really helped me through. Um, yeah, kind of dark times, but not too dark. Don't stress, I'm not that kind of... I don't get too down, I just kind of power through things. I'm a bit of a pragmatist. Anyhow, moving on. So, speaking of Big T, um, yeah, he's probably become a happier man over last week as the Brooklyn Nets see the return of their prodigal son, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, to a part-time 
dissipation basis anyway. So due to the fact that they weren't allowed to sign any extra 10-day players until they played every player on their roster who was available. So yeah, bit of irony there. Um, yeah, it's an interesting kind of point that was made by a Twitter um, user. Sorry, I'm not remembering the account handle. I really apologize for that. But he pointed out that the Nets will only be fined um, when Kyrie takes the court in New York. So, yeah, you know, then there's not going to be sirens or anything like that. Police aren't going to storm the court and come and stop him. There's, you know, there's not going to be any COVID marshals or anything to that effect. And this guy has kind of worked out that um, if they play him at all the games that are left for the season and possible like seven game series for the rest of, for the rest of the year, the Kyrie would only be fined eighty eight thousand dollars if he played. Now, I'm sure that's reasonable enough for him to pay, or even the Nets themselves. Like they are of, you know, have massive, massive amounts of money at their disposal. So, understands the business, and eighty eight thousand dollars is a lot of money. But yeah, when you see the difference between the Nets playing with and without Kyrie, it's um quite staggering so I think anyway okay yeah so yeah I think like I said it's just a simple business decision for me pay the fine um, play the man you know it's not a good look and I understand that why people would push back on it but you know if you're a basketball organization you've got to be pragmatic in my in my mind so yeah anyway I digress a bit so Kyrie's return was a positive one he scored 22 points off the bench um, supporting KD, who scored a quiet 39-8-7, which was just ridiculous in itself. And that's kind of like the beauty of Kyrie and, um, and Harden together. Just KD can just go about his work and they can support him. And the other night when they played the Bulls, it was Kyrie struggling a bit, but it was Patty Mills who was on fire. So um, And a couple of the rookies really stood up and had a really good go. So, yeah, James Harden was absolutely torching KB White and um, Troy Brown Jr. So... Yeah, if you don't have an elite defender on James Harden, it's just, you can see he's like a kid in a candy shop. He just looks him dead in the eye and does that little dribble step back, draws the foul every time. So I think he did it two or three times during the game. It was quite embarrassing to watch. Anyhow, like, um, yeah. So, and Cam Thomas has been developing quite a bit. He was actually like, showing how clutch he is the other day when Kyrie, um, so when KD deferred to him, uh, took a double team and palmed off to Cam Thomas to take the final shot for the game and won. So, yeah, that was great. But, um, yeah, so the Nets, they've kind of been struggling of late. But um, I think they've just dropped from the second seed to the third seed today from my belief. Yes, the Heat have gone into the second seed at the moment. So, yeah, they're sitting in third seed with 26 and 15. Um, the Bulls surprisingly are still on in first after the last two days performance that's like a really shocking thing to me but um, yeah so they've kind of earned that buffer but um, from their earlier games they are a bit injured at the moment but I'll get to that in a minute so yeah like I said Cam Thomas Patty Mills Corey Irving James Harden KD it's a nightmare when you think about it they are a force they actually are the true contenders so yeah, Bulls kind of looked like pretenders the other day. I think that's a bit harsh of an assessment to make. Um, I think they're going to be really dangerous at the end of the year when they have all their pieces back and possibly Patrick Williams, who will add a lot more um, size and defense to the front uh, court anyway. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, so the NBA Twitterverse in 
the past week came together. The whole world kind of came together to celebrate the return of Clay Thompson from his two consecutive injuries. So hashtag Clay was trending on Twitter. And he donned the afro and the headband. So, uh, yeah, the long-time missing splash bladder made his long-awaited return. So, 17 points he made, including a nasty dunk and some familiar catch-and-shoot or one-dribble-step-into-three-pointer shots. So it was, you know, fairly standard clay. He only had a few, I think, 22 minutes at the most. So, yeah, they're kind of managing him his time at the moment. Um, he didn't play too well. well. He played similar the following day, but... Um, the Warriors lost that game, and then they came out and absolutely obliterated the Bulls today, minus Clay and Draymond. So, yeah, that was kind of scary, what they're kind of capable of. Although, I think it's more the Bulls played utter trash, but, yeah, I'll get to that in a minute, like I said. So, yeah. Um, the NBA has since released the figures showing that Clay's return was the most watched moment in regular season history. So, yeah, that's kind of understandable, considering saturation of screens and everything to that effect so yeah it'll probably be broken in the future but yeah it's just an interesting little factoid to take away from that so the Warriors um, they're second at the moment uh, in the Western Conference just sitting behind the Suns who have also been playing phenomenally each year all year sorry and um, the Warriors are now sitting on 31 and 11 the Suns are 32 and 9 so they're kind of taking that two game kind of jump on them um, it's quite interesting. So the most dangerous thing I think that's kind of popped up of late, we've noticed that Steph has kind of been um, extremely inefficient with his shooting of late, but Andrew Wiggins is the one who's been really stepping up. And yeah, he's an absolute <laughs> weapon, it seems. He's kind of living up his, to his potential finally. Um, but the return to Clay can only kind of help improve them. And yeah... Interesting, though, that um, not having Clay and Draymond the other day it just yeah, it didn't matter. So, um, yeah, it kind of segues into the kind of biggest surprise. Um, when I wrote the script for this the other day, I was just writing up some stuff, some dot points down that I was going to allude to. That was before they'd copped the two losses. So, yeah, I'll kind of get to that a bit at the end. So it kind of segues nicely into what I was saying before about the NBA's biggest surprise of the season. Um, especially for media analysts who said they'd be would barely be a playing team. Um, it's the Chicago Bulls. So, like I said at the moment, they're sitting first in the Eastern Conference, which is a surprise to everyone. Um, I had them pegged as a fourth seed at best at the start of the year, and realistically, probably a fifth or sixth seed. I didn't expect the Knicks to be so horrendous. Um, yeah. So, and if you have a look at the table at the moment, you've got. 76ers in the fifth and uh, the Cavaliers in the sixth seed and the Hornets and the Wizards the Raptors and the Knicks are all in them playing positions so that's actually quite interesting and the Celtics are just sitting outside so the Bulls actually face the Celtics tomorrow so I'm recording this it will probably be uh, today for my American listeners but um yeah so yeah one of the biggest surprises for the most for most people uh, is the success of DeMar DeRozan. So, how has DeMar succeeded so much for Chicago? Well, it comes down to a few basic factors. Better spacing, giving him more room to operate, to get to his spots in the mid-range. Um, better offensive threat, threats around him, sorry, in Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball and Kobe White. Even Vooch is a threat from beyond the arc and also in the paint. 
So it kind of like forces teams to guard him one-on-one. -on -one. And he's just a monster in their MISO players. So his fourth quarter finishes have earned him the king of the fourth quarter nickname this year. And um, it's kind of forced teams to double team and triple team him late. This also happened, um, this happened last time the Bulls played the Nets, not the game, just gone the previous game. Uh, he found Lonzo in the corner on the wing. Sorry, he found Lonzo open on the wing um, to sink the dagger. So, yeah, straight over KD and Harden's head as I was watching. It was a pretty awesome shot. So, like I said, the Bulls are my team. I try to be as objective as possible and talk about most teams. But, yeah, I will be focusing on a lot on teams that are contending this year and that... Um, and it seems, for the most part of it, the Bulls seem to be in right in the thick of it. So, yeah, for now at least, anyway. It kind of brings me to what happened the last couple of days. So, the Bulls copped the worst two losses back-to-back, -back, I believe, in NBA history um, on home games. I'm sure it's some, like, cherry-pick stack, but it kind of speaks to something at the moment. They've just kind of collapsed. They were lethargic. Um, anything that didn't work for him in offense, it kind of like turned into lethargic defense. So it's quite a hard game to watch in the end. I was quite disappointed with the energy they displayed. Um, one of the big problems was we did lose Zach Levine with about eight minutes left in the first quarter. Seemed like an innocuous injury, but um, yeah, I think at worst it may be a slight tear in his meniscus. He said he had slight discomfort and he didn't want to risk it it was more of a uh, precautionary thing because he has tore his ACL on that leg before so yeah it was probably a smart move in the end to walk off it's only you know mid-season game we are first we have got that bit of a buffer so why not use that at the moment like um I suppose the aim is just to finish as a top four seed so um you don't want to finish in fourth near the 76ers but I just believe that that would not be a good move uh, first and second seed facing off against one of the playing teams would be the handiest move, I'd say, this year. Um, as they have that extra game or two to play, possibly to get in, so they may be more fatigued at the back end of the regular season. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, so getting back to them two games in the last couple of days. Um, the Bulls are suffering at the moment with a lot of injuries. They're missing not only, like, a defensive threat but a defensive organizer in Alex Caruso so one of the things that is evident is when he is even on the side of the court he is barking orders on how to get back in defense and be um, effective and work as a unit and it's something that they've just completely lacked recently and some of the younger players look a bit lost and in despair and though Lonzo Ball is a strong defensive threat he's not as vocal as uh, Alex Caruso so his organisational skills aren't quite at that level yet. So, yeah, it's quite interesting to see it kind of regress so terribly. So, I'm not too worried, as I know that we are missing a lot of players. We're going to be missing Javonte Green and Derek Jones Jr., I believe, for the next maybe two to four weeks. Um, Javonte Green should return before Derek Jones Jr. Uh, also missing Patrick Williams, who's been out since the third or fourth game of the year started since the start of the year um, he is starting to recover from the wrist surgery that he had and he may be back by March possibly April which would be right in time to start ramping up towards the finals if the Bulls can maintain some sort of presence in the top four throughout this period 
they have a really strong chance of, um, yeah, being strong in the playoffs and developing some defensive continuity. So we all thought they were like in the first couple of games at the start of the year. So I'm not too stressed at the moment. Them two losses, as bad as they looked and as bad as they were to watch, um, yeah, there's a lot of missing pieces at the moment and a lot of... Um, guys who aren't used to seeing a lot of minutes playing a lot of minutes and you can see the reasons why they don't play lots of minutes in the first place it's just unable to maintain that consistent concentration and intensity level that our other starters have so yeah like I said it's a shame but what can you do Okay, so the LA Lakers, they're currently sitting in, let me just quickly check, 7th uh, place, okay, on the ladder in the Western Conference. I believe they're just above 500, no, they are 500, 21 and 21. So LeBron James is averaging 28.9, 7.4 and 6.6 this season, and essentially carrying the Lakers uh, since returning from injury at the age of 37. So... LeBron is having one of the best seasons individually, and his name is being mentioned loudly in MVP consideration, and rightly so. Steph's season last season, uh, Steph's, sorry, last year, very similarly, uh, was not in contention because of the Warriors' record last year. Now, this is kind of like in a similar spot to where the Le LeBron is with the Lakers. He's, this is where Steph was last year. So the question, kind of like. You know, he's going to be brought up. So typically, the award goes to the player from a top four seed team, I think, mostly, and generally one or two if you can't divide it between the top four. So it is putting up you know, the biggest numbers and affecting winning. This is what kind of brings me to Ja Morant. So Ja Morant uh, and the Grizzlies are currently sitting in third place in the West. Ja's putting up an average of 24.7, 5.7, and 6.7 at a 49% efficiency rating. So it's pretty insane. And um, Memphis, uh, they're sitting on 30 and 14. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, they're out there. They've just jumped ahead of the Jazz. So yeah, it's a pretty phenomenal year for Memphis. No one was really seeing this. Um, typically based off previous seasons, though you would say that Jar is in the better position now to win the award and LeBron at this point anyway but um yeah the PR machine consistently pr promoting quote-unquote LeBron's greatness um yeah it's going to be interesting how it all pans out so Morant's season is very reminiscent in my mind of Derrick Rose's MVP season with the Bulls back in 2010 and 11 um yeah but I think LeBron is affecting winning more similar to what Dwight Howard was that year as well, that could be argued. So um, the Grizzlies' offensive rating, this is the interesting stat that I think is reminiscent of that year as well. So the Grizzlies' offensive rating is second in the league when Stephen Adams is playing, not John Morant. And that drops to 25th when he's not, okay? That's their offensive rating. It also slipped two positions in defensive in defensive rating as well without Stephen Adams on the court from fourth to sixth. Um, just the net rating, so plus 0.72, which is third best in the league, that drops to point 
uh, plus 1.2, which is 14th in the league. So, yeah, with the absence of Adams. That's an interesting, interesting start. It's, like I said, it's very reminiscent of the D. Rose MVP season and how um, yeah, the kind of work that Joachim Noah was doing that kind of went unheralded that year. And Derek Rose kind of got all the flowers for with the MVP award. And, yeah, it reminds me of how Dwight Howard played that year and how LeBron's playing at the moment. I think it's very reminiscent. So, yeah, D. Rose has had a strong supporting cast and Dwight Howard put up historic numbers, like I said, like LeBron was. So, yeah, I just think that's going to be um, interesting the way that pans out. Yeah, so like I said earlier, I'm going to have a guest on next week and we're going to be discussing that a bit further and some other MVP candidates this season, um, probably particularly Jokic and Giannis. And seems like DeMar DeRozan is going to be in the talk as well, but um, we'll see how that goes depending on if the form maintains. So, yeah. So that brings us to the end of the return pod. Um, thank you very much for coming back and listening. So if you're listening to me on Spotify or Podbean, please give the pod a follow on there. It really helps. And if you can, please share it on your social media platform, um, even Twitter, Facebook, Insta, anything that you use, please. Uh, it really helps me grow my audience. So, um, yeah, thanks for your time, and I hope you enjoyed the show.